Hello everyone, I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and this is The Bread of Life, a radio ministry of church, partnership, evangelism, and the Bread of Life Church in Boise, Idaho. To learn more about our work to make Christ known among the nations, go to traincpe.org, and to learn about our ministry in our community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. And now to God's Word we go. The Bible very clearly and repeatedly teaches us that it took the blood of Jesus to provide for our salvation. It took his blood to satisfy the just wrath of God against our sins and to remove from us the guilt of that sin. But why? We ask now, why was blood the payment? The answer we give draws from clues found in almost every culture known unto man. So if an individual, in a sense, wanted to come before people and he wanted to attest to some truth, or he wanted to tell them some grand bit of information they needed to know, and there was a question as to his veracity, he would take a lancet and he would cut his forearm and he would raise his arm to heaven. And as the blood flowed down from his arm, he would tell them his truth. And he'd make his profession. The blood flowing down his arm said, look, I'm staking my life on it because that's really what the blood meant. The life was in the blood. May my life be poured out. May my life be forfeited if I am not telling you what is true. So that's what he's doing. That's what he's making. That's the pledge he's making. And this is the same whenever they make covenants with one another. When they came to make covenants with one another where they came upon agreements, they made the covenant around the shedding of blood. It might be the shedding of their own blood. It might be also that they would take a sacrifice They would sacrifice the animal that would represent themselves. Should they break this covenant with one another? May they be treated like the sacrifice that they're making? They would actually lay out the sacrifice after they put the animal to death and they would cut it into pieces. And then they together would walk through the pieces of the sacrifice they made. And basically we're saying, look, my life be treated like this. If I don't keep my bond, if I don't keep my pledge, if I don't keep my promise to you. And the interesting thing is you can go back into every society, and you could find this idea of bonding together in promise based upon the oath of blood, based upon the pledge of life. We actually say things like, I'd stake my life on it. We say, scouts honor, and we raise our fingers up like this, or we say, cross my heart and hope to die. We say, so help me God, as we put our hands upon our Bible and we raise our hands in oath. And when we raise our hands in oath, we're drawing back to that ancient ritual. We wear probably wedding bands for that reason as well, because oftentimes in receiving the oath and making these oaths, there was the piercing of the body through a ring that was put in their ear and their nose, and it was an expression, it was the blood that was shed. So it wasn't the ornament that remained. The ornament remained to give testament to the covenant that was made the issuing forward or the promising and putting a person's life upon that thing. For us, they may be just matters of speech and they may be just customs and traditions, but in the ancient days, they were a pledge that a person had pledged their life to be forfeit if they broke their vow or their covenant. Now go back to the Garden of Eden, where God made Adam. And there we learn that God had an agreement with Adam, that Adam could enjoy all of his creation and benefit from all the fruit of his creation in the garden that God set him But there was one tree in the covenant agreement God made with him that he was not to eat of, and it was the tree of the fruit of knowledge of good and evil. And on that covenant, Adam staked his life. God said to Adam, in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Right? This is your pledge. This is your covenant. This is your vow. But Adam sinned. He disobeyed God. 
He broke that agreement with the Creator. And since that day, Adam and all of his children have lived under a curse of death, both physically and spiritually. Man, you see, is a race of covenant breakers, lawbreakers. There was another covenant God made with the people of Israel where he gave them a law that they're following. He put that law in the Ark of the Covenant in the most holy place, and that Ark of the Covenant, that law there, bore witness against their sins. That's actually why there had to be a sacrifice made. That's why there had to be blood poured out upon the lid of that mercy seat. It would say, oh, let the blood come between us and the law that we've broken and the covenants that we've broken. That's what they were saying. It all beckons back to this idea. Such is the human race. Because of our sins, our lives are forfeit before God. This might not make sense to you, but this made perfect sense in those ancient civilizations, in those ancient places. They knew that there could be no progress in the future. There could be nothing built that they could build together unless their life was staked upon the promises and the covenants they made to one another. And their life was forfeit if they broke those covenants. To them, the truth was self-evident. Our sins separate us from God. They bring upon us the cost of our own lives because we've sinned against Him and broken the promise of that life with Him. That's why Paul says in Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. Death, decay, disease, because we've betrayed the pledge of blood. We've turned away from God. Now, the only thing that can satisfy a broken covenant or the pledge of blood is the blood or the life of the individual who broke the covenant. It's the only way. The person had to be brought before the people, and they have to fulfill the vow, and the fulfillment of the vow that they broke was their own life in forfeit for what they've done. That's what blood represents. The blood doesn't just resent life, it's life laid down. It's life poured out. It's death. When you read in the New Testament that God redeems us with blood or that we are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, we're supposed to recollect and know what it's telling us is Jesus died in our place. He poured his life out for us. God becomes a man. God steps into the place of the covenant breakers, having kept the covenant perfectly himself as the Son of God, in every way perfectly meeting all the demands and all the laws and all the requirements of the promise and the covenant that God and man have entered into. And Jesus, Jesus keeps it perfectly in our place. And then having fulfilled it perfectly, he goes and dies in our place and lays himself down as a payment for the price of our broken vows to God. And so the answer to why blood is simply this, fulfillment. Jesus' blood shed for us fulfills the requirement of the broken covenant. He fulfills in our place our broken promises. And so he dies for us. Let me in conclusion give you one other brief ritual that actually precedes and is older and more prevalent in all the ancient different societies than the blood covenant. And it's the blood brotherhood. Do you remember this? The idea of the blood brotherhood? If you watch westerns when you were a little kid, Right? And uh, you know, you always saw the cowboy and the chief that would meet one another and the guy would pull out his knife and he'd pull it across his palms and they'd shake hands with one another. And they were blood brothers as a result. I remember, well, this was very impressive to me. And I remember as a boy on Pennsylvania Avenue that there were four of us actually that had a tree fort and we decided that we were going to start a little club in the tree fort and then we were going to become blood brothers. Well, we didn't have the guts to draw a knife across our palms, but we did have a safety pin. And slowly we worked at just getting enough blood out of our thumbs, you know, just a little bit of a drop that we could touch each one of our thumbs so we were bound together in our bond to one another. 
actually. It's actually the most ancient of rituals. They would pour out their blood as a sign that they were bonding themselves together and then grab one of those hands as a sign that they were bonding themselves together in a unified life. They shared life with one another, intermingling of their lives together, that they were bound to one another and unified to one another. And there are other ways in which it took expression. Sometimes they would take a little bit of their blood and they would drop it into cups of wine and they would drink it together. And that was an expression of their unity to one another. Or again, they would sacrifice an animal and as they were sacrificing the animal, the two that were being bound together before the society would write out their pledges to one another and what they were pledging to do for one another and what they were giving to one another. And they would also then write out whatever curses should come upon them should they not follow it. And then after that, the sacrifice of the animal was sprinkled upon their pledge and then when they take their promises and they bind it up each one and they'd put it into some ornamental package that they would wear around their neck as a sign that they were pledged to one another and bonded to one another in this kind of blood friendship where they gave themselves. So when you come and read the scriptures and you see that, that the nation of Israel, for example, when they pledged themselves to be God's people alone, the men were circumcised in order to show that they were pledging themselves through the shedding of blood and unity with God and, and binding themselves to God, or when they made out their pledges to follow Him and obey Him, that they would write out the law, and then after the law was written, they would sprinkle the law with blood that was shed, or they would take the law and they would bind it up and they would put it as ornaments on their foreheads. When the Lord Jesus, in the upper room, has the Last Supper with His disciples, and He presents the cup and says, This cup is my blood, a testament of the new covenant, given for you and this bread represents my body shed for you and then right after they had the meal together it says he sat down with them and he says I no longer call you servants but I call you friends I call you friends the answer to this ancient ritual why blood the first one was fulfillment keeping the law and the measure of the law against all sin but the second one was fellowship and friendship Binding together in one, unifying together in one through the offering that was made. Jesus gave his life, shed his life out in order that in him we might have fellowship with him and with one another. You can read about that in First John, the first verses of First John chapter 1. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sins and we have fellowship with one another and truly our fellowship is with God and with his son Jesus Christ. Tis mystery. All that God gives himself this way. It's the blood of Christ and death and sacrifice that fulfills the demand of my sin and my broken promises to God. It's the blood of Christ and his life laid down and then taken up in resurrection power that then binds me by faith into an everlasting friendship with God. In this friendship, I am made to share in and be brought into unity with the divine life of God. All throughout history, that's what these rituals type. All throughout history, we have revealed to us an instinct or a desire or a craving that's deeply resonating in the heart of men. They know they need to be made right. They know their sin and that that sin has to be paid for. They know that there has to be a way to have a sure bonding together and covenant and promise with one another. They know it. They don't want to live as aliens and they know their sin puts them on that trajectory and they also long and desire for friendship that's deep and lasting and profound a loyalty that is oftentimes not reflected in their communities. But all these things are expressed in these strange and odd little rituals that they develop, but they reveal an impulse that was in the heart of man, that was put in the heart of man by God himself in order to direct men into God himself, into himself, as the answer 
for their sins, as the person who would meet them in his sacrifice, forgive them, bind them to himself in friendship. This mystery all, the immortal dies who can explore this strange design. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, what do we learn from this? There's no way of approaching you and coming into relationship with you that salvages our reputation. No proprietary way that looks unoffensive, that fits and leaves our notions of ourselves, our civil selves intact. The way to you is a bloody way. The way to you is a way that exposes our sin and its ugliness and its cost. The way to you is when we recognize you've taken that cost upon yourself. You've taken the violence and the vulgarity of our sin and bore it in our place out of love for us. We deserve these things. This is where we should go, but where you've gone for us. Oh, what a wonderful Savior you are. What a wonderful Savior you are. A church purchased by his own blood, the blood of his own, given in death for us that we might know life. We praise you. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us today at the Bread of Life. We'd love to hear from you. Go to breadoflifeboise.org and follow the links to send us a message of encouragement or a prayer request. Until the next time, may the Lord bless you.